This episode is brought to you by Fooley Gemstones. I think I'm a monkey. I think somewhere I sort of look like a linguistity or something, but it's more about uh, that I know how to go to one branch and then sort of cracking, I go to another one, but I always stay in my tree. Oh, I see. So you're very busy, but you're in your own <laughs> lammy world. <laughs> your lammy land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Carol Holton, the voice of jewellery. Welcome to If Jewels Could Talk. I'm an author and broadcaster, and the woman who initiated the role of jewellery editor at magazines like Tatler and Vogue. This is a podcast for everyone, for people who do like jewellery, for people who don't realise they like jewellery, and anyone intrigued by fascinating facts, new ideas and forgotten histories. So join me as I tell sparkly tales and meet all sorts of people, delving into four centuries of jewellery culture, and investigate what's happening now. I am here in Paris with Michelle Lamy. Now, actually, she's one of the most difficult people to describe that I've actually ever had on the podcast. Oh, because, why? <laughs> <laughs> because you've done so much and so many diverse things. I mean, artist, entrepreneur, producer, collaborator, performer. You co-founded a nightclub in Los Angeles where you met your husband, business partner, co-conspirator. No, it's not there, you know. I had the clothing company okay. before, and before Café des Artistes and Les Deux Café, and I hired Rick Owens as a pattern maker. You hired him? I yeah. didn't know that. Okay. That's the story. But so you just... gave Rick Owens his break? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it was not his break, it was his... Uh, a little puppy coming out of the woods. Of the, uh, How old uh, was he then? 25. 25. Yes, I, so yeah. that's where you've met. You now have this fashion empire together, Erin School. And along the way, you have worked with so many um, creative artists, either performing, creating, designing. Yeah. And of course, quite rightly, you designed jewellery as well with Laurie Rodkin. Yeah, the thing is, I always were something I never call jewelry. Because for me, they are accessories of the body. But that starts way before, because it starts from the family. Your uh, family? Yeah. yeah. Growing also, up? My grandfather, and you know, it was all that story that happened in the Jura of France, where people were having woods and starting doing things in woods and then starting and doing what it... And they were doing things in uh, galalite. Which is sort of like Bakelite, isn't it? Uh, a sort of plastic... Galalite was before. Galalite is from milk. From milk, byproducts of milk. Yeah. Yes. You take uh, yogurt mm -hmm. and you make it strong. And that was looking like ivory. Uh -huh. So that's where I'm coming. And my grandfather did a lot of accessories for Poiré, and it was something thriving in the Jura at the time that turned into like bigger industry. They were doing uh, frames and glasses and somewhere doing a bucket and somewhere doing chairs. They are still doing, even if the company was sold. 
And right now, I don't have my old bracelet I wear all the time like this, but it started from there. And Lori had her life of her own with jewelry, but yes. we met in LA, and uh, that's why I have to say I know her for all those years, we have to do something together. But to me, accessories, things is always there. We're always there uh, for this side, and also finding when uh, the first time I went to North Africa and knowing before that I had sort of genes coming from there, even if it's from Jura, I thought those women were so beautiful. And uh, and then, you know, in Africa, you wear all the jewelry on yourself because uh, you never know where you need to go. Yes, and you and, never take it off. And you never take it off. And so you've always worn quite a lot of what you call accessories for the body. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of always veer away from the word accessory because it makes people think of a sort of fashion accessory, which I never think is that important. I know. This is something also about jewellery, but you, you would think jewellery is like, uh, you know, so much like Cartier. Uh, that's why I say accessories of the body, but I'm very happy to call it jewellery. So, I mean, Michelle is sitting in front of me and my eyes aren't quite sure where to look because on her fingers are so many rings. Some of them sparkling, some of them got diamond set, her earrings. Can you just tell me what you've got on today? How many rings have you got on? So I always had rings at all my finger. At the time they were perhaps smaller. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine, but it looks small because these are your hundred designs, aren't they? Yeah, they are all... And the thing is, you know, the concept that we develop uh, that with Laurie is that uh, that could be one ring. We have a base and we add something to it. Or we open it in two parts, or so mix the part and... Uh, so it looks like a sort of ton of rings going up to the knuckle, but in fact it's one big one. Yeah, sometimes, and sometimes there is two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the ears, only two earrings in today. Yeah, because I had a big one here where they lost it, I don't know where. This has been a titanium piece from piercing that uh, forever my ears are all fucked up from <laughs> having wearing something that were too heavy, too heavy at the time. And I always think I'm going to do something clever with it, putting, you know, sewing in gold or something. But what I have the most is the teeth. Yeah, the teeth, the ugly teeth. That's why gold. I say, I would you call Jewelry in the teeth. Yes. No. Are they all gold across each tooth? Mostly. There is gold everywhere. You know, there is more gold you cannot see. I started this story when it was the time of the mercury in your filling, and you have to change it. And I found this dentist in LA in Pasadena who was like with a garden, he had a big ponytail, and he was uh, testing your knuckles also with some kind of machine to know which teeth had something. I mean, it was super medical, but super, uh, you know, at the same time making fantastic things in the back of uh, your mouth. At which point I thought, no, I spent all this money, I have all this. There is nothing to show. I had really good teeth in the front. And I was not needed anything, uh, so I started with one. Yes. But anyway, I wanted the thing real, so I started with one tooth in the front. So that it's gold 
enamel. It looks, I mean, like enamel on your teeth, but instead of that, you have gold. Exactly. And, you know, it's uh, uh, to have it, it's like the tooth underneath are cutting as a point. Right. It's just and you, you cover it with gold. And you cover it with gold. But it's all my teeth. And then we moved to Paris, and then I found dentists who have never seen this and were very excited to continue. And sometimes I put different things in my teeth, but somewhere here I, I have a rock crystal. I because love we were doing things with rock crystal, and then uh, so I took a little piece and I put in my tooth. So, uh, if anyone was having dinner with you, you know, when you like might say to people, you've got a little bit of spinach in your teeth. With you, it might be an emerald. <laughs> I don't know, I put a ruby, not an emerald. Perhaps one day I will have an emerald. You too. need an emerald, I think. And then, you know, being uh, looking at all those pictures of. Uh, Egyptian mummy. I like the thing that they were doing that they found on the mummy, this gold thread that is here, but this is just for, it's just for the look. There's no, I mean, I could take it off uh, if I wanted to, this. There, it, it, there is no purpose to hold my teeth together. Mm. They are just there. But you can't take yours out. I cannot take my teeth no, out. I'm cannot. just talking about this little thread here. Oh, that little thread across. I that, see. I yeah, see. like the mummy hair. Yes, I when see. When we found yeah. the Egyptian thing. But mm -hmm. it, this is just the only thing that is like. Mm -hmm. So when did you do your first gold tooth? How long ago? 40 years ago. Wow. It's actually very brave to do that. I don't think it's brave. There is... One thing on the look that I always like, even before I leave, I think I was before the rapper phase. I was more with the gypsy. That's where Europe had, had those teeth. I always found that it was um, something exciting. Yeah. The sort of Roman community. Yeah, and when I was even, you know, little girl. So this is something I always like. And then about the time... Uh, we had to take mercury out of our teeth. That was the, the reason, and I found this dentist was only doing gold, and he had an alambic, and he was testing with, you know, there is always a mix in the gold, and uh, which one, the good one for you. That was very, like, mm -hmm. voodoo type at the same time. But very exciting. Why I say it's brave, it is quite, it is, a brave move to try and look so different to how other people are looking at that time. I always think it shows a huge commitment to your aesthetic. So perhaps, you know, perhaps in the league there is too much of ridden white teeth, whatever, but so I'm really not what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always uh, amusing to work on your body, except I uh, don't do face if I'm doing <laughs> teeth. <laughs> Well, it's actually probably, it's quite heavy, probably, so it's probably quite good for your muscles, keeps your muscles in your face and training. You think Maybe. so? Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, because you look very good. And your tattoos, do you feel that's part of of your jewellery look, your accessories look? Yeah, I, I, I do, because at first when I got some tattoos that are underneath when I have the ink, mm -hmm. I always have like tattoo, like something I can look at. But this is all about... Also, all that aesthetic that I met when I was 18, the tribe being on the road and the way mm -hmm. sort of I look like. 
makes your jewelry stand out as well against yeah. the black. Yeah, yeah, they are a lot better. And with Owens Corp, you oversee all the furniture, don't you? And I wonder when you work with artisans creating furniture, how similar that is to creating jewelry and whether you look at it as an exercise in sculpting. So it's two different things to me. Mm -hmm. There is the fact that we moved in and we, there was nothing here and usually we make furniture for the house and I like to work with artisans and I organize this for him and it's because some galleries went to our parties or dinner and say that make a collection and then from that uh, a request, that was good but they say I was completely in this mood and uh, and uh, we have been continuing and uh, producing and going uh, all over and organizing shows and with the furniture. Mm -hmm. So it seemed that our galleries for the furniture like the jewelry too. They are coming at a different time and on specifically that unhod, in fact all the Production is with Laurie because I started to do the pieces, some little artisan in Paris, and then I know she had those ateliers and she has a good eye, and I know she was looking at my first piece thinking, ha ha, this is something interesting, like close to her, but just a little off. What was your first piece? It looked like this one without the dragon. Thick bands of yeah, silver and yeah, gold. Yeah, it was sort of... A, the opposite Quite of... Quite rough looking. Rough. Oh, yeah, whatever. And mm -hmm. I thought it was super chic not to do it in gold, but in bronze. And we do a lot of bronze furniture, but no, bronze and silver. Now we are doing collection with gold also. So you like to work with artisans, be they jewelers or furniture makers, to have the idea and the design and then let them manufacture and create. No, no, I stay there. You say that, I'm okay. not <laughs> For furniture, that's why, you know, I start creating atelier, finding people in Paris, but I'm, I'm completely on for the way we do the piece and being there. And, uh, but so you like to be involved in the whole I, process. I am, this is the thing. You yeah. like the creative side. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and it, you get your ideas there, you find the right material, you find it, yeah. Apart from the Berbers, were there any other artistic movements in the world of jewellery that you look at and get inspiration from? I mean, sort of the Art Nouveau or Deco, or you admire? I, there is a lot of things I admire, mm. but usually with the jewellery, it's way black. Ego, the Egyptian, uh -huh. ego, the, the Greek. I'm not too attracted to the Indian American jewelry because of the turquoise that I hate the color. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I like these things that come very primitive. Art Nouveau that I love for a lot of things, but not in jewelry. Art Deco, I love it. And I've been attracted so much, like I wanted to buy some piece. And then when I try them, more, they don't work. But there is everywhere like pieces that are masterpieces, you know what it is. But I like things that are more rough. I think sometimes it's too delicate. You like it to look that 
you can almost see the the hand that made it. You know, it, it looks like it's come from a workshop. Yeah, I could uh, see that there is a fabulous diamond, and just that they put those little hooks on it <laughs> make me cringe. But our Nico was the closest to what we were moving in. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because things were inside the the metal. It was not the thing to put the money and say, look, I have a big thing showing over there. Yeah, they don't think they belong to your body, but when you have mm-hmm. something like this, you think they belong to your body. Mm-hmm. That's why I was studying accessories instead of jewelry. And do you like it to um, be part of a story? Do you think, do you like that aspect where it is saying something? Because you've done some zodiac signs, haven't you? I like that story of tribes. Because you mm-hmm. see, there is a lot of artists that have been doing jewelry, and even if it's artists that I like uh, a lot or that are famous artists, I always think the jewelry is disconnected from a story somewhere, or you cannot make it yours. So you know, between the thing you like or the thing you want to have, I mean, if there was something that I like so much, I mean, I was not going to try to do some. <laughs> it was already all made, you know. Yes, yeah, so you have to find a new style, a new thing that's yeah unique, and that's very hard. When you think the places that we wear jewelry, apart from you and doing your teeth, are really the same as since the Egyptian time, so it's hard to find something new, isn't it? But you never go in this direction of thinking. Mm-hmm. You said they go in this direction, but at the same time, when you make it yours, so otherwise you. You know, it's not I had to do that. So then it's just when I felt it was that. What do you like working with? Do you like bronze? Bronze, now I'm going with the gold. I like those little diamond sort of rough that are making too good shiny, like there is one in my teeth too. Not too polished. It's not too polished, it says mm. something. So now our new collection is the what was I did with the... Um, sign from the Chinese. I like the sign and the animals mm-hmm. of the Chinese sign. They say something to me. I'm a monkey. I don't have a monkey with me because the first thing it was just to have a monkey to with me, but I don't have it today because always somebody wants it or something. Now I have a dragon and a dog. Because they are the latest one we made. Mm-hmm. But we started because uh, I'm a monkey and I wanted to be <laughs> a monkey. What is a monkey in the Chinese zodiac? I think I'm a monkey. I know how to go to one branch and then sort of cracking, I go to another one. But I always stay in my tree. Oh, I see. So you're very busy, but you're in your own <laughs> lummy <Yeah>. world. <laughs> your lummy land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, when you say you're interested in tribes, what is that? How do you define a tribe? Because you seem very untribe, like you look like you don't fit into a tribe. Oh, but you have not seen me with my tribe. Okay, now who is your tribe? No, I think there is, uh, there is this kind of, uh, I think genes have memories and even it's like 10 generations ago when the Moor, the part of Jura, the family is on my father's side that we all look like I look and that belonged to Spain and they had sent the Moor there. 
But you know, it's the same story than in Ireland with the gypsy. Mm-hmm. You know, the Irish with dark hair and blue eyes? Yes, yes. It's because the gypsies were there at the time, because the Irish have no melanin and they are all blonde and red-faced when there is a, a little bit of sun when it's not open. But the part where I am, the rest of other people like us that look like that. So this is some kind of tribe, and I recognize myself uh, more in the... Middle East or North Africa. You know, some people, uh, even they talk to me in Arabic in the subway for the look or they think I'm Madame Irma and I'm going to read their parts when they don't think about the tribe. So this is uh, an aesthetic that I like and, you know, Enrique is a mixed text. So there is something with the colors and perhaps there is a way of thinking deep down, you know, that it's that I call the tribe, but on the other side, I'm very Deleuzean. And Deleuzean will always say that people find themselves, it could be only with the thought as a tribe. And there is always some that are a little side of, of the tribe, but still they recognize themselves. And, uh, you know, and I imagine if I had all this relation with Laurie, because we talk about Jolris, because we have some kind of tribe, we are not the same, but we don't think the same, but we have something, it's about uh, aesthetic, moral, uh, perhaps, so we understand each other, if we say this looks nice, yes. we know what nice look like. So it's a shared you know, aesthetic, a sympathy towards a We have, we yes. understand each other. You know, mm. there are some people, you, people with whom you have the connection to say, I saw something, it was a uh, guy that it can be a player of this or it's a book or a show or yes. artist and then you think uh, you speak the same language or we could react against something that is... I think it's what makes the connection with people or somebody you live with. At okay. least you have to have the same aesthetic value. Mm-hmm. I think you can have different opinions on politics or whatever, but... If you don't have the same aesthetic value, that could be broad, you know, or got into, but I think that's very important. Mm. So your tribe could be people you've never met. Yeah. It could be just in your past. And if you find them in the present, it's very lucky, isn't it, when there's such a huge world and to find them... I'm a lot more optimistic than you. (laughs) And all those years, I've found a lot. (laughs) I have the whole jewellery world. They're my tribe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very lucky. Mm. Yeah, because even people I don't know, I haven't met on the Instagram community, which I oh, really Of course, like. it's what I'm saying. We have been yes. very lucky. Through very lucky. Yeah. And they get hold of me and I talk to them yeah. and I feel like I know them yeah. sometimes. And they probably feel like they know me. Well, so we <laughs> speak the same language. Yeah. And I read something that Rick wrote about you and said that you had more urgency to go barbaric in your look because you had a bourgeois background. Do you think you were fighting something? But of course not. What he says is completely wrong. <laughs> because even if uh, my family were this kind of people that would have been successful uh, before, and doing this, they had some kind of a gypsy look. And a look that very close to what Rick is doing right now. I my father, he had always, uh, if he was wearing corduroy pants, like it when the thread uh, 
were falling apart and things and it was not like absolutely punk or doing this it was more like a old family butler like english you know okay. this kind of thing nothing new yeah but kind of chic yeah very chic very yeah. distressed and and so it perhaps what you should say that pushed it even more is because i was in the boarding school since i was nine till i was 16 so we had a uniform So he does not know anything, this recurrence of that. <laughs> But even though when I was out at the boarding school, I, yeah, I was going crazy. We were doing a lot of skiing and everybody was already wearing those uniforms and I was putting fur, like the old folks around me, like five or six mm -hmm. to do stuff. I think I was invented, but I don't think it was bourgeois family. Crazy. So maybe I'm <laughs> No, 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 because you say that. You know, we don't agree. I'm going to so, argue tonight, you think. How dare he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. well, maybe, Bonjour, we were more, we were more like aristocrats. You know, my father was supposed to be a diplomat. He was speaking seven languages, doing this, being from this background. And then he was in the resistance where my mother, They, where they met because uh, end of the war they were like hiding in those mountains and trying to help people cross the border. And the resistance. Yeah, the resistance. Mm. My mother, which family had a restaurant in Lyon and farms to fathers, was bringing them food. That's where I was born. Mm -hmm. After that, they had the end of the war. And after that, they traveled a lot. I mean, they were home. But, so then... Instead of being a diplomat, because he was uh, older and uh, older, so he took over the business of his father. Right. Maybe right. it was against the uniform then that you're trying to. You had this. You wanted to create this strong. Yeah, but I was like that. And my mother was saying, "We don't know where she's get that from. I don't know." That it was just yeah. Came. I it just wanted that straight. It was just this exaggeration. Of exaggeration? No. Well, it is quite to have fingers with rings and the, when you wear your bangles, they go up to your elbow. They're big, they make a noise. It's quite yeah. exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. I think they have one. <laughs> What do you one think of this? One musician band. Yeah, yeah. And I just wonder, because the, the rings you do with Laurie are like armor, those knuckle dusters that you've got on could do damage. I wondered if it's about... Going into battle, or it's about protection? No, going to battle, you know, I'm uh, boxing, so I have to take them off to put the gloves. Because so, you do, you box. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a size. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I don't know, that you can tell what you think. I don't know if it's uh, protection. I think it fits. Mm. Yeah, and I like strong. to enjoy mm. things. Look at them, do noise with them, you can feel, them. Yes, yes. feel it, feel on the skin. It's more essential. So when you got together with Rick, did you ever give each other a piece of jewelry? You didn't have an engagement ring or a wedding oh, ring. No. <laughs> no, I know when he came, whether the factory, I don't know, perhaps he took off his nose ring, but... Uh, <laughs> That was not uh, at the time. I mean, they don't have that symbolism. We did not do the ring thing. 
They don't say that, you know, for us, the jewelry. No. And anyway, I gave him uh, uh, some ring that, um, because I thought they were nice, that he put uh, in, not a box, but something, because it's nice, but he he does not wear a ring. No, so we don't have an engagement ring. No. But no. you wouldn't give him jewellery because he wouldn't wear it. No, but he's making mm. his own now. Always made, you know, it's just look at everything. But I cannot wear it either. But I like it, uh, you understand? Yes, but they all talk to me. Yeah, yeah. The clothes talk to me. Yes. A lot. And there were this common, but not uh, the accessories. Well, but they are not really jewellery, yes. but they are. And we're actually sitting here where you held the show in Paris two days ago in this space that you've had for years in Paris, haven't yeah. you? But you never had a show here before. No, we started with this building. Mm. Yes, there were showroom there. We've been doing a, sh uh, a showroom for the back furniture. here. And there was a uh, thing on the front. And everything moved out because it was getting too big and it's been at the same time our house at the same time. You know, it's money for the furniture and uh, Rick had also a studio there, but mainly, you know, clothes and everything, it's in Italy. So there's building a bit to move on, they wear something. And then, you know, you have been all those great shows at Palais Tokyo outside, inside. But it was a statement, and then you will read a statement, wanted all the students to be smaller, to do something smaller, going back to the house, but he mm -hmm. has to go also with the time we are living with. It's yes. not the time to do those grandiose shows it seem... Uh, Out of step with so what's happening so, in the world. Yeah, believe in it. So that's why the show was here this time, changing the house and... Um, Did it feel intimate? Did it yeah, feel, yes? Yeah. I'm sure the editors prefer it. It must have been very nice for them. Because I think when they're the huge shows, the editors are slightly irrelevant, aren't they? <laughs> No, but it's just always for them. But, but even if we can do great parties here for like 200 people or something, uh, dinner, when it is a show and it's public, you have to have a certain amount of people that are very small because we are only one exit. This building has only one exit in the front where you came in. And outside, with the terrace, going to the Minister of Defence, there is no way we can pass except if there was a fire and we would jump in. So the editor had to be cut in half. So I don't think they, they were too happy. I don't you <laughs> I'm sure people were not happy with you, you know. Well, I'm sure it gave it a very special atmosphere. Um, yeah, mm, this is mm, something different mm. and you know, there's so many. But it, mm. it had a good feeling, you know. The next show is going to be here, what is for the women, in uh, a month. But uh, after that, we don't know what we want to do. But it was also a person that wanted to come back to the house, you and know, and they concentrate on, on the clothes and our aesthetic and not doing a brouhaha or smoke. And yeah, 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 yeah. You All know. the bits that aren't about the clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I suppose, you know, with your shared aesthetic and working together and collaborating, creating jewellery is so different to the fashion, isn't it? Because you are making something to last and that won't be seasonal. Yeah, that's uh, 
a good question. Mm. Because in a way, even if the clothes are they are continuing their spirit, you know. It's not like we are a bigger house that there is a new design every season and then you go from one to the next. So it's a continuation mm. and it is sort of to last in the different version. But of course, it's, uh, yeah, you always want a new. I want to add to this, but mm-hmm. we will, I would never think about doing things is irrelevant now we have to make something new. You know, but I like the thing, so things could evolve. Yes. Like we put those animals on it, but that's, mm. that's it. But this not, is a signature, this is a... Yes, you know, not something really, just because I have to do a new collection. Yeah, no, absolutely no, no. not. Uh, mm. Yeah, absolutely mm. not, no. Mm. But it's more like the furniture. It's very related that I'm in charge of like, the furniture and also we do jewelry there some of our world, and Ricky always say uh, the furniture is uh, our couture, mm-hmm. you know, thing. And this is, uh, it's playing around. The tribal, the tribe turning, turning around uh, the furniture. Yeah. And when you travel a lot, what do you, do you see anything that's happening for the future in self-adornment? Anywhere, like in Venice where you live or in LA, do you think people are doing it in a different way? Self-adornment and thinking, God, that might be the future? I've not seen this in the jewelry and what you say, I see a lot of the same thing, uh, but the same uh, people continuing. Yeah, it's interesting to see that it stays uh, sort of old, but they have been big time, you know, when people start having the piercing, yeah. And the nose ring, and it was a, yeah. that been some change, but you don't call this jewelry, but I do. I do. I do. <laughs> you do. I, yeah. do. You I think, do you think maybe it'll come through the music scene, like you were talking about rappers, and they really changed the way people perceive diamonds and how they were wearing metal. Do you think it'll come through the music scene, maybe something new? Yeah, it came big time already. That's why I don't think it's coming. I did not see coming, I saw coming, uh, I saw happening, I saw there. And I thought, like my teeth, it's why they all recognized me like a pionier and from the grills and everything. And I love the huge thing. Of course, this is the big, this is what happened at our time. This is this, this is the... In a jewelry at the time that makes such a big change. Yes. Because it's like two worlds, but I don't see My it mixing so much. I mean, except on something, but I admire the most. It's uh, that look, I think, is fantastic. Uh, like the music, too. Uh, like, yeah. But it would be too refined for you around the Place Vendome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you like it a bit, a bit rougher. Yeah. And tell me, future collaborations. You've got a show coming up at Carpenter's Workshop in London, and you yeah. have one in LA, and this is for Hanrod Gold. Yeah, what is Hanrod yes. Gold? So that has changed. I have, they are doing a show with the, the other designer. They started doing jewelry, what I thought, and started with me, loving. It's uh, their, their, their main gallery with the furniture and doing installation, did a great building. Installation with. Your furniture and jewelry. They don't mix no. in a way, in the, the way they said it, but in the yeah. head of everybody, it's uh, when they go there, they know they can find both. Yeah. Mm. So that's coming up. Anything else that you're working on that we should know about? 
Well, you, you are talking about the chihuahua. Or anything. anything no, because I, I think, you know, like he's doing some collaboration. It's more like getting things on the hold. We are we're doing with Carpenter, doing an installation in Dubai mm-hmm. pretty soon. And then in Dubai, it was sort of curating with our furniture and some artists from there. And just lately, uh, the galleries over there, they asked me to come with my band. And this one, I'm working on it. And we are going to sing. And it's, um, and I'm sitting, I'm singing Etel Adnan words. And it's perfect for our time. Uh-huh. Uh, everything I have to say, I always say through poets. Right. And you sing those words. So, yeah, that's the next thing. So we are um, on the hold because with the furniture and uh, this, uh, um, I'm on the hold. And uh, what do I like? Because we do installation and uh, museum and uh, a lot of places that uh, really interest me, not only to have it made, but... To perform. Uh, no, but going also the installation mm-hmm. with the country, with the thing. Uh, we did, uh, even without Carpenter before, some years ago, I did some big installation in Dubai, and we have been uh, mm-hmm. in China and uh, at Mocha. You Do know. you write the poems yourself? No, I told you, I'm used poets that gave me, Etel Adnan is the one we have to talk about, but I've been singing Langston Hughes, but I'm sort of using their words as a dictionary, meaning I pick some word and doing this, but... Uh, I always think there is a poet that said better than me, or is what gives me the story that belongs also to my story, so then I'm using it. And when you think about designing, do you sit down and draw something, or you just imagine it and talk to the artisans? Oh, yeah, I don't draw anything. Mm. No, you talk. It. It's like, you know, I started with a bracelet, and then you break some part, and then something go. Because we were doing some bases in bronze, and then I think the bronze can do. I'm yeah. with the material. So you think. And then it's more, yeah. it is, it's at glory that the, you know, before I had some wax made or something, but with a drawing, it does not think to me. I did not thought, oh my God, we are going to do a drawing like this. After that, you can make a drawing if I said, oh yeah, I want this one, I with that, and that. No. It starts always with a piece. Right. And then you work. Yeah, them. and then you do it with a piece of fabric and say, well, I should have a knot here. You know, when I'm not uh, the artisan. Yeah, no, no. no, no. The, no the, neither the drawer. No, you're the explainer, uh, the, the, the imagination. But I always take from something that exists and want to change. Hmm. I think um, when I talk about jewelry and when a lot of other people do, they. They think about emotion and memory in the piece that they have. Often it's given as gifts or it marks a time in their life. As I wonder with you, maybe it's more about a memory of the past and who you might, if you you admire the ancient Egyptians and the Greeks, which would you have wanted if you could spirit back? Would you go back to... Ancient Greece, ancient Rome. Ancient, ancient Egypt. 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 Yeah. You get that. Yeah, yeah. And some women have power then too, didn't they? Exactly. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what would you have worn 
It was funny, the other day I was with Sophie Carl, and then uh, she had uh, a ring from Egypt, but I don't know which time, in which there was a little dick, and she told me for power, the Egyptian men were wearing little dick around their neck. A little phallus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually we say the right word. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can say dick. I just wanted to make sure we've had little fans. Yeah. I know, isn't uh, that weird? And they used to put it on children too. Yeah, but it's what is, what is uh, super great. So after that, the next time we went there, I was asking what those people if they were, uh, you know, not souvenir or what places in there. I wanted to find some. Anyway, I just found this statue that had a, a huge kind of a thing, but I did not find that delicate thing. Yeah, they were putting, there you know, the story so good. That was, uh, so I think those stories are interesting. Then you are interested to have this because it meant something. And now we are so silly that to think uh, uh, Egyptian places, they hide it. Oh, you know, you have to ask, and then, but it's just yeah. like uh, the children cannot see it or whatever. Mm. So you'd go back to that time. And lastly, Michelle, I wondered if there is a place, a favorite place that you have that you like to go and view jewelry, like in a gallery or a museum, and if there's a favorite place you go, you look to go and buy pieces, whether that's a sort of flea market or a store. Ah, uh, really, now, you know, I've been saying things for all those years or whatever, but I always look at old jewelry for some reason. Old? Yeah. Mm. Like things, so it could be a flea market or a special place. Just in our street up here, there is a Naila de Montbrison. The gallery. The gallery. It was amazing. And I she's amazing. So yes. she's the, the one I would look yes. when she do the gallery. Usually she has a, a new artist. In mm -hmm. fact, it's where I got those. They have a bracelet. But for this artist, I don't, I don't remember the name right now, but she had. Contemporary and she, artists, yes. Yeah, she does this. Mm. But she has a collection of Tibetan jewelry mm -hmm. that you have to beg to see. Okay, her. I will go and beg. Yeah, <laughs> that she has at home. Yeah. Okay, and which museum would you go and look at? If you're traveling, is there one museum that you really like? Well, no, I mm. always go, I always go to where there is a show, where there is a gallery, where there are things, uh, mm. uh, but that is not what I'm looking for, the jewelry and in museum. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, but if there was a special Inca show, yes. I would very yeah. look at the jewelry. I always have to go with the story. You know, if there is a big artist, so there, there's some jewelry I look for. It. But I won't go in a museum just for jewelry. Yeah, no. No, no. But there is always something I want to see. So then if there is jewelry, I say, oh, my God. Mm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for talking to us and telling us about what you're wearing today, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you, too. <laughs> well, it was so nice to meet you. And now we have a story going on. We've got a jewelry story. Okay, Jujini. We're part of the same do. tribe. We're the same tribe now, Michelle. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. For this and other episodes of If Jewels Could Talk, please go to our website, carolwalton.com slash podcasts. 
And don't forget our new YouTube channel where we'll have some, some films and stories and pictures up. And join me again in two weeks for the next Jeweled Nugget. We had the BAFTAs this week and ahead of the Academy Awards, we're going to have a couple of special episodes looking at Hollywood and jewels and how much Hollywood loves diamonds. More than any film role, husband, lover or studio mogul, it's jewellery that's played a permanent starring role in many lives in Hollywood. So please join me in two weeks and thank you for your company. Bye-bye. If Jewels Could Talk with Carol Woolton is produced by Natasha Cowan, music and editing by Tim Thornton, graphics by Scott Bentley, illustration by Geordie Lavanda. You can find our sponsors at foolygemstones.com and me at carolwilton.com. Mm-hmm.